Hey everyone, this is the Switch Focus Podcast. It's episode 86. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me is Jeannie Wu. Hi. And Andrew Brown. Hi. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about uh, Realm Royale. We're going to talk about how to spot the new Switch with a better battery life. We're going to talk about uh, updates to the classic Dooms. And we're going to talk about Resident Evil Zero HD Remaster, Friday the 13th, the ultimate slasher edition. And uh, Ginny, are you ready to talk about Sword Art Online? Sword Art Online, Fatal Bullet. Yeah. Hey, that's the one. Cool. Uh, so let's get right into it. Okay, just a little update from previous episodes. Uh, Andrew, you've been playing uh, Realm Royale this whole time, I believe, and you got a bit of an update on that one. I've been playing it for just about two months now. Uh, I started it June 20th when it went free to play on Switch, and it's August 18th as we're recording this. Uh, I still have two days of daily quests to play to max out the battle pass, which should be the 20th at that point. Uh, And then I'll have done the entire battle pass. So it just seemed like a good idea to just update it because I have been following along with the entire game this past season four has been running. Uh, first, I want to go back to Smite and Paladins, which are from the same developer, Hi-Rez Studios, because I suck at math. Uh, I gave those games a hard time because with the battle passes, they don't give you enough premium currency to buy the battle pass in the next season, which is what Fortnite lets you do. And Realm Royale also gives you enough premium currency to buy the battle pass in the coming season if you complete the battle pass. It's actually not entirely true. In Smite and Paladins both, if you get all of the premium currency from that season's battle pass, and you do the daily login rewards where you log in every single day, and on the 6th and 7th day of the week before the daily login reward uh, scheme resets, then you get some premium currency as well. If you do the daily login reward every single day of the season, as well as get all of the premium currency from the battle pass, then you do get enough money to get the battle pass in the next season without having to spend more cash. I just wanted to correct that. Uh, it's It's still ridiculous <laughs> it's the whole thing you have to <laughs> even just describing it is a mouthful but that is the reality of it and uh, I, I like realm royales better where you can even get premium currency for doing the daily login rewards but you don't need that to get the battle pass in the coming season you can just work off the premium currency you win from the battle pass itself uh, so as i said i did get to i will be getting to battle pass level 50 uh come monday and i just don't really feel like I enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed doing Fortnite's Battle Pass because it didn't really add anything new to the game. I was just playing the same game that everybody on the free pass is playing. I'm just getting more skins for doing it. It kind of felt deflating after a while, and I really have felt like these past like the past month basically of doing this that I've just been going through the motions. It's a perfectly good competitive shooter and you know I don't regret playing it in that regard it's just I would rather be playing other things and I've been wrapped up in this battle pass that's the only reason I've kept on with it because I paid money for this battle pass so I'm going to finish (laughs) it Uh, and I got most of those levels through daily quests and this is where Realm Royale is actually kind of a joy to play because the daily quests you can finish most of them in a single match and a single match even if you lose uh, is only about 20 minutes long. 
but there are a couple of daily quests that do suck. Like, get 10 kills, which if you're on a bad day or you're just up against good people, that's really hard to do. Uh, play five games. Like, even if you just completely whiff every game you're playing on purpose, you just you drop down and you die as soon as you can. That way you can just get through five games as soon as possible. That's still a half an hour to 40 minutes to do that, and that's just for that daily quest. Not the other ones you've got to do as well. And there's also Craft a Scroll of Resurrection. This one's the worst. I have not once finished this daily quest because you can only do it in team play. And if you've ever played uh, a Battle Royale game online, uh, you know when you play duos or when you play group in a pickup group, as soon as somebody dies, they drop the match. They're not going to wait around and watch you play. They're just going to go into a next match so they can get to earning their rewards. Uh, the only way to craft a scroll of resurrection is if somebody's actually sitting and waiting after they've died for you to craft this item. So not once did I get that thing crafted. So uh, <laughs> basically days that I got that as a daily quest were just a day that I only completed two daily quests instead of three. Because that thing is impossible to get done. Uh, I ran into a lot of bugs and glitches, uh, especially in like just trying to get into the match. Like in a ra Battle Royale game, you, you start off flying over the map and when whatever you're flying in, a bus, a zeppelin, airplane, whatever it is, gets to where you want to land, you jump out, and you parachute down. Realm Royale has a real problem with this, where something happens during the skydiving sequence that makes the game crash. If you can make it through the skydiving sequence, you'll be golden. But there was just something about it that, like, maybe one in four matches would just hard crash to the dashboard. And, you know, having to boot the game up and then log into the login servers, then get matchmaked into a game, then wait for the match to start. That's another, like, five minutes at least before you're into another match. That got a little aggravating. And there's not really a lot of variety in the classes, you know, especially when you compare it to Smite and Paladins. I'm going to say again, Smite has 100 characters plus in it at this point. That's, in that's incredible. And Paladins has a lot of playable characters in it, too. Realm Royale has four. I mean, it's got the Wizard, it's got the Warrior the assassin, and the hunter. And there are different skins available for them, but this is a very young game. Uh, so there aren't that many skins, and like even when you're running into different skins, it's still the same four classes. So that variety that you feel in Paladins and Smite just isn't here. And even with, you know, a couple years of premium skins under their belt it's still the same four classes. So that's that's where I really feel the weakness of this game is, especially compared to high-res studios. Other free-to-play shooters is, it's just, there's not a lot of variety that they could really use by, I think, maybe expanding the class system out from just these four RPG archetypes. So I played Realm Royale, I finished the Battle Pass, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I'm glad I will no longer be having to do half an hour to an hour a day of playing it I, i'm ready to move on <laughs> I, I still never got around to, to trying it as soon as i got my pc i went back onto uh PUBG where people don't turn into buildings when you shoot them and <laughs> it's it's just a straight battle royale and i you know i just enjoyed that a lot more but yeah uh, uh okay so let's move on to the latest switch news <laughs> okay so first up last week we uh talked about whether there would be a way to tell if the brand new switch you're buying is one of the new ones with better battery life uh, we weren't sure at that point um, it does however have a couple of uh, 
telling factors. So one, the packaging is new. There's a, a new all red box instead of the, the red and like stock photo box that we got originally. Uh, there's a new serial number. So the, the serial number on the bottom of the console begins with uh, XKW. And the model number now begins with HAD. The, there is a note here, just be careful if you're ordering from on, online retailers because they might not have updated the packaging image, but it should still tell you the model number if you're ordering online. Uh, that's a public service announcement. <laughs> I, I have no idea if these have hit Australia yet, but uh, yeah, I'm not in a rush to get a new one just just yet. Uh, in related news to that, uh, Nintendo may be able to replace an already purchased Switch with the new model. Um, it was reported that they were doing this as a service, but Nintendo have since come out and said they are not. Uh, so that it seems to just be on a case-by-case basis and you know they may be able to do it for you depending on when you bought your switch the date seems to be after july 17th uh, and you just need to contact nintendo customer customer support uh, just a note on that that as far as i'm aware is just in the us I, I haven't heard any of that happening over here in the uk or in any other regions so that's a thing you can you can try if you're desperate to get one and you've just bought yourself a brand new Switch. In other news, the classic Dooms have been updated to remove Bethesda's login requirement. I tried to update my versions of Doom like for the past three nights and have had no update. Uh, it keeps telling me it's on the latest version. I'm pretty sure the Switch isn't automatically updating these games for me. Uh, usually it does it when I start the game or if I manually do it by hitting start on the the game and then going to check for updates nothing um i'm still logged in so it's hard for me to tell whether the patch (laughs) is doing anything anyway or whether we've even had it in australia or maybe it's just a server-side thing where because when you fill in terms and conditions usually that stuff is coming from a server maybe they've just updated that and that's got an option on it but apparently that's a thing you can do you can skip it and, and still get to play the classic dooms and hopefully not got get pausing issues like I did after I put it into sleep mode the other week. Um, I was going to cover this on the what we play section, uh, but may as well do it now because it's related. Uh, been playing a lot of Doom 2 in the last week. Doom 2 compared to Doom 1 gets really experimental. Uh, there's a lot more like puzzly levels. Uh, each, or at least more of them, seem to have some sort of unique hook. Uh, whereas in Doom 1 it was just like, here's a different shape Doom level. You know, the keys are in different locations. It's still fun, because it's the combat that's fun. Uh, but this does actually think about little neat things you can do. So there's there's one that's like a, a circle of death. Uh, there's one where there's a you just encounter room after room full of barrels, and you've got to try and get to the safe point and hit blow them to kill all the enemies in the room. That one was neat. Some just drop you in and leave you fighting from the second you spawn, which can be tough if, like me, you expend all your ammo in the previous level. Uh, but overall, I'm just, I'm enjoying it. It, it is it does just feel like more Doom, except for the fact that there are a couple of new enemies. Uh, I touched on them last week. There's the the skeletons with the rocket packs, which took me a while to figure out they were heat seeking because I kept dodging them and getting hit by something and couldn't figure that out. <laughs> and then I saw it curve and follow me as I was trying to run away. Um, there is also this annoying fire demon thing that stands in the distance, throws its hands up in the air, shrieks loudly, and then starts putting a flame in front of you. I still haven't worked out how to get away from him without getting damaged because he seems to hit me every time. Uh, just shock and awe seems to be the only uh, way to get around that. And on the level design, so Doom 1 had enemies, you know, on like different heights in the level. Uh, like right from the off and all you had to do because you can't look up and down 
Uh, you just aim in the general direction, the ammo will hit them if you're on target. Uh, Doom 2 has a lot more verticality in its levels, um, and immediately so, so like you'll have enemies on platforms that are like directly above you, and when you shoot you'll hit them, but you don't know exactly what you're hitting. Uh, so that's a little weird. Uh, I know there's some mods or versions of Doom circling on PC where you can actually look up and down, but that's not a, a thing in the, the actual proper version or the vanilla version. So it can leave you in some trouble because you don't know what's hitting you and you don't know what you're hitting uh, and whether it's dead or not. Uh, I think Andrew added this note for a bit of trivia. Uh, Star Wars Dark Forces was the first Doom clone to allow players to look up and down. Um, I was actually thinking about that because uh, I know Duke Nukem had the up and down and uh, there was uh, there was another one I was thinking of and it was something they brought in like with Quake and everything. Just on the on the Duke Nukem thing, actually, there was a game on Steam that's just launched that's like a spiritual successor, Ion something. Like, it looks just like Duke Nukem. We'll come back to that. I'm kind of hoping that will come to Switch at some point, because I, I think that would run. And I think it looks pretty cool. It, it looks like Duke, but without the uh, gross 90s misogyny. So that's cool. Okay, so with that, uh, let's move on to what we've been playing this last week. Okay, so I've got nothing because I've just <laughs> talked about it. So we're going to start with uh, Andrew and we're going to talk about the Resident Evil Zero HD remaster. How are you finding that? Tedious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Resident Evil Zero HD remaster is the... Yeah, it's the, it's the HD remaster of the last old-style Resident Evil game before Resident Evil 4 switched everything to an over-the-shoulder third-person action shooter and ruined the series forever. <laughs> I love Resident Evil 4. But <laughs> <laughs> Second best game ever made. Right after Resident Evil 4 Wii Edition. <laughs> they really pushed themselves with this game. Like Capcom in the GameCube era was doing some of their best work, I think. I mean, not just Resident Evil 4, but uh, all the stuff they were doing back then and most of them were GameCube exclusives, was pretty phenomenal. And this game is, for all of its problems, is kind of a technical marvel. And that's where a lot of the problems that it actually runs into comes from. Uh, this is a standard style, you know, old school Resident Evil game. So it's got the fixed camera perspectives and the tank controls. And you're looking for puzzles in these, like, gothic areas, looking for keys and fighting off zombies. But the twist in this one is that there's two characters that you control simultaneously and you can actually split them up and send them off into different rooms or you can have them travel together and whichever one you're not controlling the other one is controlled by ai and they'll help you out in combat a little bit by shooting and they have uh separate inventories so you have to manage both of their inventories at the same time you've got to make sure that neither one of them dies and you can switch instantaneously between the two of them no matter where they're at so you have to keep both of them alive at the same time which sounds awful but resident evil being what it is you know just as long as you make sure that you're leaving them in a safe room it's really not a problem if you have to do that and it leads to some really cool puzzles like uh very early on there's basically a tutorial for how this system works where one of the characters gets locked in a room that has something shoved in the lock that keeps them from unlocking the door and getting out. So the other character has to find an ice pick and send it to the first character 
uh, through a dumbwaiter. So that way they can use the ice pick to push something out of the door, then they can get out of that room, and the, the pair can team up. That's basically a simplified version. Like, that's the very first cooperative puzzle that you do, and the rest of the game is really expanding on that idea. Uh, and there's also the item management, and in the past Resident Evil games, they've used item boxes, where you, you put all your stuff in a box in specific rooms, and all the boxes are linked, so if you just put your bullets in a box, you'll still have access to those bullets later on. Resident Evil Zero went a very different route, where you actually drop all of your items on the ground, which makes it a little bit easier in some cases because if you come across an item that you really really want but you don't have room for it you can just drop some stuff to make room for it but I really didn't like this system because it just meant that I had to spend a lot more time on item management than I really should like I'm sure a quarter to a third of my playtime on this game was just spent ferrying items between rooms and you know taking my shotgun back to whatever was my safe point at that point so I could swap it out for an item I needed to solve a puzzle. Uh, It was just miserable, Uh, unhelped by how uh, in this game most of your weapons that aren't your pistols take up two item slots and each of your characters only have six inventory spaces. So that's a third of your space right there just going towards a weapon that's strong enough to actually kill something stronger than a zombie. So that got really frustrating really quick. And... All of this together, because you've got the two characters you're controlling, you can switch between them instantaneously between rooms, and then you've also got the item system where you're just dropping items on the ground and mass. Uh, that's putting a lot of strain on this system. And uh, we talked about this back in May. We mentioned it briefly, how the loading times on this game were like up to 30 seconds to get into a room. When you think about everything this game is doing, you know, where it's got two characters in two different rooms that is keeping track of it's got items all over the place that are just sitting on the floor instead of being stored in a in a box in a very uh cohesive way you know really i i don't judge this game too harshly for those long load times between each room because again this game is a technical marvel the fact that it ran on the gamecube was amazing so uh when it's on the switch now and it's got those long load times looking at everything it's doing even if i'm pretty critical of that game that resulted from all those ideas uh, i'm not mad at the load times but i could understand somebody being frustrated by them nonetheless uh so this was just a really tedious classic style resident evil game Uh, with a lot of running back and forth to swap out for keys and recovery items because there's no item box system and Resident Evil just really needs that system. It's a backbone of how the classic games worked. Uh, So, tedious game with long loading times. Uh, It's, I'd say, probably one of the weaker of the original Resident Evil series. Uh, maybe do a remake since they they seem to be in the remake mode with their Resident Evil series lately. (laughs) But, uh, I would say of the Resident Evil Origins collection with Resident Evil that I played last week, Resident Evil Zero this week, Resident Evil 1 is by far the better game. Uh, definitely put your attention there. Yeah, I remember playing the GameCube version. I mean, honestly, the Resident Evil series was the reason why I even owned a GameCube 
at all mm-hmm. was because they announced the exclusivity yeah. and Resident Evil 4 and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and all I remember thinking with this one was, yep, that's a Resident Evil. That's okay. And that's <laughs> it. That, it definitely wasn't like I didn't have that stellar experience I had with the original one or or any of the ones that came after. Yeah, it's, it's a shame they, they didn't continue with that uh remake of the other games in this this format though because i have like um two and three on gamecube as well and it's just the ps1 versions not even rezzed up or anything it's just they're they're just there just to to round off the series sort of thing well they wanted all the games on one console and like back then like porting was not the thing it is today where if you just wait long enough a port of a game you like will be put on your platform ports were a big deal back then and like the entire resident evil series being playable on gamecube as well as the entire resident uh the entire legend of zelda series that was huge for the gamecube it, mm-hmm. and it like resuscitated the system because it was really struggling for a few years there i have all those resident evil games on gamecube it's how i play the old resident evil games is on my gamecube <laughs> so I, I still i still appreciate those games I, I i agree this is definitely one of the weaker ones i don't know if i think that it's weaker than resident evil 3 i i liked that game yeah. but i did not love that game resident evil 3 is just a, it's just a filler game no one everybody is saying well they should remake resident evil 3 now i'm like no you can just skip resident evil 3 uh everything interesting that resident evil 3 did resident evil 2 remake has already done with mr x following you around wherever you go mm. that's the whole gimmick of nemesis so resident evil 3 is now completely pointless just skip ahead and remake code veronica now yes uh, love love code but veronica. we're no longer talking about the switch so <laughs> let's move on <laughs> Okay, uh, so Ginny, you've been playing uh, a Sword Art Online game. I forget the full title, Kettle, enlighten me. <laughs> yeah, it is a Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet. It is a mixed experience, um, I will say. Um, I've played quite a few Sword Art Online games. Um, I played Essel World most recently, which is the crossover with this other mech franchise. Um, and I've also played Hollow Realization, which is like a more MMO style. Uh, I mean, they're all MMO style, really, because if you don't know what Sword Art Online is, um, you get chucked into like a big MMO. Um, your whole thing is your your character is entering some VR MMO landscape, and your job is to just do stuff in the game and get good at the game. That's a part of basically every single Sword Art Online video game is... This is the formula for the anime and the manga. It seemed to work at the time, so every game that we're going to make now is just going to be the exact same story, but replace the main character from the anime and the manga, Kirito, with yourself. A random self-insert that I guess kind of happens to know Kirito anyway and becomes friends with him, so it's kind of like how you self-insert in all the Attack on Titan games. You're just a random character who is there, and you interact with the franchise as you go. What makes Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet, I guess, different is that it's not set in the mainline Sword Art Online universe, which is like a fantasy, medieval-inspired game landscape. It's kind of in this new... Um, it's, in, it's in a VR universe called Gangale Online, which is like a sci-fi um, dystopia, science, everyone shoots guns type thing. And you play as a, a newbie who is totally new to VR gaming, but apparently a super good gamer. They don't really tell you what kind of games you're good at. I assume it was like StarCraft or Animal Crossing or something. But you're apparently really good at games. And your best friend's like, hey, pal, put on this VR headset and join me in this game. And they give you like a really quick rundown of Sword Art Online. Um, 
which just again for the uninitiated in the anime and the manga you get trapped in vr in sort of online and if you die in the game you die in real life and um the <laughs> this game kind of gives like a really quick rundown like oh yeah this horrifying thing happened where ten thousand people were trapped in this anime and in this vr world and then died but vr is still super popular so everyone's still <laughs> playing gun kill online and i'm just sitting there going what <laughs> this seems incredibly unsafe but i guess you do it anyway <laughs> And the game is a third-person shooter. That's it. It's a third-person shooter with um, MMO trappings. Because, again, it's meant to mimic you being inside a virtual reality MMO. So you run around, you have a bare-bones story, you have an anime rival, you have a klutzy sidekick, you get a klutzy sidekick maid assistant. Um, You do things. You do things with Kirito. You shoot things. Um, You run around. You have a gun that lets you grapple things. A gun that lets you pull enemies out of the sky. A gun that lets you shoot things. An SMG, a rocket launcher. You just run around and shoot things. Um, You run around a base that is really large. Um, The game has no vehicles, which is also strange because it can take literally five minutes to run from one end of the map to the other. It is just... A game whereby you play at being in an MMO. The game populates the game with fake players, gives you a fake friends list complete with random people's names and levels, gives you missions to complete with AI. It is literally simulating someone being in a in an MMO. Sounds like hell, like literal <laughs> hell. Yeah, I mean, it's I I don't really like it. Um, I played Asa World, and Asa World was a lot less heavy on the whole you are in an MMO filled with other people thing. There was like a story there where you, it was more about like, oh, this universe encroaches on Sword Arts universe. Examine the intersection and all the weird monsters and stuff that it brings and like a very typical tropey anime story, but at least there was a tropey anime story. Here it's literally, Kirito is my friend. How can I help the people that I may or may not know from the main franchise? I guess I will shoot things. My friend seems to hate me for some reason, and I have an anime made. So it's it's kind of all over the place. The font is tiny. If you thought Fire Emblem's font was bad, this font is tiny. Um, <laughs> it is so small. Um, quest objectives update in quote-unquote real time, but every time they update, the game is to stop. The game kind of throws you into random cutscenes without notice. Like, you'll have quests that will say, talk to X person, you'll walk up to them, cutscene immediately or other times it, it won't and it won't even prompt you to talk to them you'll have to figure it out by yourself there's no real consistency in the design here and the ui is a, a nightmare of menus it's a nightmarish buffet of menus all in neon orange for some reason neon orange and blue the exact color scheme from dragon ball from the dragon ball multiplayer online fighting game and it's just not great um <laughs> it plays well though like, it is handles incredibly smooth, no frame rate drops, no pop-in. Like, the game looks great. The game looks amazing on the Switch. It looks perfect. I've not played it on the PS4, but I've played Astral World on the PS4. That came out last year. Basically identical graphical quality to Astral World, which was a native PS4 game. So it looks great. Um, there's not a lot to load in, obviously, in the game. It's like one reticle, a bunch of cover options, enemies, and your party, which is you, really, your... And your friend so i could see why everything runs so smoothly but i just can't i don't have a lot in the game that is compelling me to keep going 
I'm not invested in my character that I made because literally I say nothing. I have the most inane dialogue choices. When people ask me like, oh, what's up? I can go, oh, nothing. Or just be silent. Like, <laughs> okay, great. I've made it so. So it's like your squall. Yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> feel, I kind of feel like everyone treats me like I'm, I'm the slightly slow younger sister of Kirito. Like no one really kind of involves me in anything. I'm really just there to kind of learn from Kirito or like follow Kirito's story or assist Kirito or whatever. And at that point, just make the game about Kirito. Like at that point, forget the self-insert thing. I feel like people that are actual fans of the series would rather play as the main characters themselves with all their cool skills, all their weapons. Because the game's like, oh, Kirito is so cool. He's like level 9,000 and you're like level 2. And I'm like, man, really wish I could play as Kirito. Because that must be so much more fun than playing as me, like with like a pellet gun. Literally, it's what it feels like. It seems to be a common seems to be a common thread with these uh, Namco anime games, where yeah. it's just you're a self insert, and the story mm-hmm. sort of happens around you, and you're just a background character yeah. who just joins in yeah. for exactly. some reason. Yeah, and I, they really churn these games out. Like, there's at least one or two every year. Like, there's a formula here where they're just churning these things out. So I think the quality definitely suffers from that. I think unless you really, really care about the the Gungale Online spin-off manga, which they made for Sword Art Online, which details this whole virtual reality world, there's not really much of a reason for you to keep playing it. Like, I didn't recognize any of these landmarks because I only really played slash watched, sorry, I only watched the original Sword Art Online. I didn't really know anything about Gungale Online. You know, it's just a... If you don't have any of that knowledge, it's just an anime shooter that's not very well designed. You know, a shooter with no cover mechanics in the 21st century. Like, in the year of our lore 2019, there are no cover mechanics. Like, what do you What do you mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so, yeah. Um, unless you are a hardcore sort of online fan, or even a hardcore Gungale online fan, um, there's very little here that will, I think, will keep you playing past, like, the 10-hour mark, which is about kind of how far I got. Okay. No worries. That's a uh, that's a shame. It did look interesting to me. I just I think I just like the idea of that. Mm. Like this series usually looks like it's just full of like RPG mechanics, and this mm. just looked different because it had the shooty shooty thing. So mm. ah well. And the last game we're going to talk about this week is Friday the Thirteenth, the Ultimate Slasher Edition. Uh, this is a asymmetrical multiplayer uh, where basically it's what one versus one as Jason versus seven survivors. Or vice, or vice versa. How's that working out for you, Andrew? It's kind of what you'd expect from a game based on the Friday the 13th movies, where you play as the counselors, uh, and one person plays as Jason. The counselors need to escape. Now, as, as people are probably aware with these movies, most of the counselors don't escape. They die in <laughs> horrific and disgusting and bloody ways. And that is kind of the point of this game. And I think that's what the selling point of this game is, is you want to be playing as Jason uh, and you want to be, you know, committing just horrible murders <laughs> on the other players while they try to get away from you. Uh, but th- they did actually give the counselors some interesting things to do uh, in the process of playing. Uh, but the game is kind of hard to get into past that initial like concept that maybe you can you can suss out just from the concept of a game based on the Friday the 13th movies, and it's not helped by the fact that the tutorial for this game is literally a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> you, you open up the how to play menu, and it just gives you this long thing of 
screenshots with paragraphs of text underneath them explaining different concepts about the game so like i read this whole thing all the way through it took 10 to 15 minutes uh so i i had a background in what i was supposed to be doing in the game but like what buttons did things i don't know like uh, what order uh, what what i should be doing like as soon as the game starts i don't know uh so i had to play for a little while to kind of get into it and figure it out and that goes for both sides of the games playing as the counselor or playing as jason i i understood in theory what i needed to do but like in practice uh, i really had to work off that theory to figure out what i needed to be doing uh, uh when you get into a match there are up to eight people and everybody chooses the counselor they'd like to play as and they choose the version of jason they'd like to play as and there are eight different playable jasons in this based off of eight different installment movie installment appearances and jason has different stats uh and different like he has the same skills in all of his forms but he has different strengths and weaknesses like one character might be better at swimming one character can move a little bit faster one character gets more knives one character gets more bear traps so it's really up to you uh based on your play style which jason you you want to play as and the counselors all have different stats that they're better at like some characters are better at running some characters have more stamina some characters are better at stealth and some characters are better at repairing things, and repairing is a big part of escaping. So the counselors are chosen from seven of the players in the match, and one random player gets to be Jason. And the counselors immediately have to set about escaping, and there's a number of different ways you can do this. You can escape by car, and you have to go all over the campground looking for uh, a car battery and some gas to fill the tank, and the car keys as well. And once you have all three of those things at one car, then you can escape. Naturally, this being an online multiplayer game, the person who finds the car keys is going to immediately jump in the car as soon as it's repaired and leave without everybody else because people are jerks. Uh, and you can also escape by boat, which is basically the same thing. And you can escape by calling the cops, and you have to find uh, a phone repair fuse and repair the phone line uh and then you can call the cops which takes about 20 seconds of standing there defenseless pleading on the phone for the cops <laughs> to come and then you have to wait five minutes for them to arrive uh and then you can flee to the perimeter of the map where the cops are at and if you make it then you escape uh or you can run out the clock each match is 20 minutes long and if you can just evade jason for long enough then you win as well Last in the hardest thing to do is you can actually kill Jason, which uh, is, is kind of a, a fun process to go through. I'm not going to describe how to do it, but that is an option that's available to you. And while you're doing all of this, whoever is playing as Jason is trying to kill everybody. And this is where they they really put a lot of their effort into the game more than the counselors. Like There are a lot of different counselors you can play as. There's a lot of variety of characters. There's actually a pretty diverse cast of characters you can play as as well. They all have different costumes. They have like their standard camp clothes. They all have uh, a bathing suit that they can wear or a Halloween costume. You know, the kind of stuff you expect people to be wearing in an 80s slasher movie. Uh, and then Jason has a wide variety of weapons he can use on people uh, and all the environments that 
he's around them he can actually use those to perform interactive kills like if he can catch up to a counselor and grab them and he's near a campfire he can throw them in the campfire to kill them or he can throw them out a window or he can go up to a door and just slam their head in the door a couple times uh i'm sorry this is supposed to be a kid-friendly podcast but you just you, you, what can you do when you're talking about this game <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and he also has a lot of how do I want to describe these? Uh, he also has kills that he can unlock that he can just do just by grabbing somebody. If there's nothing around him to interact with, he can just use one of his weapons or he can just do a particularly brutal, like, takedown of him. Like, there are ways to defend yourself against Jason. If you tap your buttons fast enough, you can get away from him if he grabs you. If you have a weapon, you can smack him and maybe stun him long enough. And there's, like, a pocket knife you can... A pocket knife item you can find and carry around, which is, like, a, a get-out-of-Jason-free card, basically. <laughs> uh, but... This is very much an asymmetrical multiplayer game, so the Jason player is intentionally overpowered, and if he grabs you, unless you really know what you're doing, you are likely to die. Mm. Jason has different abilities he can use uh, to overpower the players, and this goes into how overpowered he is compared to the counselors. The counselors, they can run around, and that's really all the option they have, and they can they can sneak as well, which uh, prevents these little like sound circles from appearing on Jason's UI that shows where the counselors are at. But Jason has his super special powers. He has a morph, which lets him like literally fast travel anywhere on the map he wants to. Uh, he has shift, which like goes into this first person mode that looks like, like the, like something out of evil dead uh, where, and he can move really fast. He can use that to catch up to counselors running away from him. Uh, and he has sense, which highlights counselors in red, unless they're inside a building, then it highlights the entire building. So he has to go inside that building and sneak around and like the counselors can hide under beds and in closets. Uh, so that adds a, a <laughs> when that happens, it's, it's really tense. <laughs> uh, and he also has uh, stock, which is a really interesting ability. It's kind of like going into stealth mode, because uh, this game does have a variable mix soundtrack, and the closer Jason is to a counselor, that's when the Jason theme starts kicking in. But when the Jason player activates his stock ability, then that music goes away. So maybe if the counselor hasn't seen you yet, you can kind of go, you can activate your stock ability, and the music won't give away the fact that Jason, the Jason player, is right behind them, and maybe you can get the drop on them. Uh, obviously playing as Jason is the selling point of this game, and uh, it, it's a thrill Like whenever you do get to play as him, but it, it's a 1 versus 7, 8-player game, so there's a 1 in 8 chance in a full match that you're going to get to play as Jason. So quite frankly, you, if you want to play as Jason, you've got to play this game a lot, and if you want to be good as Jason, you've got to play even more. I think that might be the Achilles heel on this game, but luckily playing as the counselors as well it's not just you running around as a helpless chicken you know just waiting for the jason player to kill you so they can have fun playing as the counselors is pretty engaging as well uh, and you also get customization points uh just for playing which you can use to unlock a variety of things counselors can unlock perks which are like these randomly rolled things that create cards you can apply to each of your counselors that improve some of their stats but worsen some of their other ones and they're like different rarities of these cards uh but what you really want to be spending your customization points on is on jason because you can actually unlock new kills for jason and uh new weapons and things like that so that that's really where your money or not money because you're not actually spending th this is a completely 
uh, premium microtransaction free game thank goodness uh but that, that's where you want your customization points to be going is uh, on your json unlocks i feel and, and this is you know your usual online multiplayer game it has the same pitfalls it has the lobby system so you know you're spending a lot of time between matches waiting for the lobby to fill up and there's always the person who is there but refuses to confirm that they're ready and just waiting for the clock to run (laughs) out and then the game starts uh and this game has public voice chat on switch like uh like fortnite like fortnite and a couple of other games do so you're getting the the usual suspects of free voice chat on a console game you know you got people who don't even seem to realize their microphone is on they're just broadcasting static and you know people whose parents obviously ignored that this is a mature rated game uh, it, it's like uh, it, it's it's gonna sound awful me saying this that it was a stable game because when i did my first look stream of this the servers were having difficulties like they were down for like the first half of my stream then when i joined i finally got to play as jason the server crashed and dumped me back onto the main menu that sucked uh (laughs) but i actually have had a really positive experience playing this game online there's like not really been any lag it's been a pretty stable experience so you know it's like playing like call of duty with its lobby system or any other game that has an online multiplayer like lobby system have something streaming beside it that you can watch while you're waiting for the match to start, and you'll have a pretty good time with it. But this being a Switch game, uh, I was really worried about what it would offer besides online content. And this game does have some stuff in it, and it has a bot match, which is unfortunately very limited. Uh, you can only play as Jason. Like Again, the developers of this game, they clearly understand why people are playing this game. They're playing it to be Jason, but... I wanted to play the bot match offline so I could get a little familiar with the game and what I needed to be doing before I went online. Uh, but I could only play as Jason. So like when I went online for the first time when I was a counselor, I had no idea what I was doing and I died like almost immediately. <laughs> uh, and when you're playing with the bot matches, when you're playing as Jason, like it, it's it's fine for learning the mechanics and like what your skills do. But the bots, even if you're playing against the hardest level bots, they are idiots they run into walls they change their mind on what they're gonna do they like just spend time like air quotes running away from you by just hopping through the same window back and forth you just have to stand there and just grab them when they hop back out Uh, the bots in this game don't really even seem to attempt to escape uh with the mechanics of the game they just they're just there for you to kill them. Like, they are literally there to be chickens for you to slaughter so you can have your Jason Voorhees, like, cosplay fantasy, basically. Lord. It's functional for people who want to pretend they're Jason, and it's functional for people who want to learn how to play as Jason before going online, but as an experience, which actually, like, is a substitute for the online play, this is not it. Uh, it's pretty disappointing. But there's a challenge mode as well, uh, and the challenge mode puts you on the same maps that the multiplayer takes place in, uh, and it's really based on trial and error and experimentation, where you're given a list of goals that you accomplish, where you're supposed to kill the counselors who are on the map in like specific ways that uh, I'm sh- I'm sure are replicating kills from the movies, but. Uh, as, as much as I like playing these games, you cannot pay me to watch the movies, so <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just guessing. Uh, but 
you know, since we're doing trial and error and experimentation, like how do I go about getting this kill done, you know, without getting spotted and without the other counselors escaping, you have to restart a lot. Every single challenge, and there are 10 of them, begins with an unskippable cutscene, which is a minute plus mm. long. And every time you restart, you have to watch this cutscene again. I have already given up on the challenge mode. Uh, and unhelped by the fact that the bots, like, you know, when you're just hunting them in a mock multiplayer match, you know, whatever. But when they're supposed to be, like, behaving, like, pretending they're cooking in the kitchen and unaware that you're there they'll randomly see you through the wall the floor the ceiling and scream and run away and you've already failed the map you just have to restart at that point uh that happened to me a dozen plus times in a row that was when i just i just gave up and that was only on the second challenge of 10 uh so (laughs) i've lost all motivation to finish the challenge mode it feels very bootstrapped onto a multiplayer focus game and while it does give you customization points for finishing the challenges I haven't seen anything that you unlock from it that's only there, so I don't really feel like I'm missing anything by just ignoring this mode. And the last thing in it is the Virtual Cabin, which is basically like this miniature adventure game, but it doesn't immediately present itself as that. It, it sets you loose in uh, like this cabin that the developers have built, which is just filled with like little feelies that you can pick up and look at in like 3D, like 3D little model environment. And it's got these little blurbs uh, describing either part of developing the game or just trivia from the movie. So basically, it's a commentary mode. But if you do look around in this mode long enough, you'll see that some of the items actually have like weird little things about them. And you can put these puzzles, you can puzzle all these parts together, and then you can type that puzzle solution into a computer in one of the rooms, and then it turns the game into an adventure game. Uh, I used a walkthrough to get through this adventure because it is definitely a a game, like even just opening this game up in the first place, is tiered towards fans of the movies. And uh, there's one example that's really good that shows this. Uh, There are a number of VHS videotapes around the cabin. And to the kids out there, VHS is what we used to watch before DVDs were a thing. Uh, And on these VHS tapes, there's a timestamp, and you're supposed to look at the timestamps on these movies, and I'm not kidding. Go back to the VHS copies of the Friday the 13th movies, look at the times, look at the the frame of that timestamp, and there will be something in there that you can use to solve a puzzle in the cabin wow. itself. This is not at all accessible for non-fans, so I just used a walkthrough to get through this, but it was really smart, it was really well made, and uh, it had a few pretty good scares with it, because like about halfway through, Jason himself shows up and kind of stalks you through the cabin a little bit, and it opens up this like museum down in the basement, which has all the ten different versions of Jason down there, which you can read about them and their different appearances in the movie. Definitely something aimed at fans, but like, you know, just somebody like me who loves reading trivia and loves reading about film development, I got a big kick out of this mode, too, and it was something completely out of left field that I was not expecting to be in this game at all. I was, I enjoyed it immensely. I I love that conceptually. There are some legal and rights issues with this game. Uh, This game was going along merrily for a while, and then Somebody somewhere who owns a chunk of the rights to the Friday the 13th movies found out about this game and just put a stop to development of the whole thing. Uh, So 
uh, I think even like Kickstarter goals that they were going to make, like they just had to stop working on them uh, because they've just been ordered to stop. So the fact this game even appeared on the Switch in the first place, I don't know legally how that happened. So it's kind of a miracle it's here. But I, I, I do carry that with the warning that because of these legal slash rights issues, uh, my concern is this game's online functionality could disappear at any given time. Uh, and this game is not worth playing if you don't have access to the online. Uh, when you're playing it online, it's a great experience. This is even a pretty good-looking game for a Switch title. Uh, the, the hair is really lamentable. I put a screenshot of it on my Twitter timeline. They've got, like, this weird, like, fuzzy texture put over the hair. It just looks awful. But the rest of the game looks okay, and it runs great. I didn't have any performance issues with it that I could see, especially impressive for an online game. Uh, but once that online functionality is gone, I, I just, I don't see this being a game worth owning unless you really like playing the bot match and you really like playing as Jason and just seeing these awful, awful killing (laughs) cutscenes, which, in which case I'm kind of concerned about you, uh, but, (laughs) uh, an interesting game, uh, a cool concept, and I hope it lasts a while on the Switch, because the fact that it's here at all is a miracle. And I, I do enjoy that online multiplayer mode. I, I hope it sticks around for a while. Nice. Sounds interesting. Um, okay, so with that, uh, let's talk about what we're playing this week. Okay, Andrew, start with you. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing coming out in the coming week that I know of that I'm getting, but there is supposed to be an indie showcase uh, Monday morning, mm-hmm. so if anything cool surprise launches during that, I might play. Uh, I also picked up Valkyria Chronicles, yes. the first one. I might play that if nothing yes. else, but I have I have no plans right now. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm going to be starting Doom 3 at some point. I've got like four levels left of Doom 2. Uh, I'll have a poke around at the master levels and then start Doom 3. And Fire Emblem, which I've severely underplayed um, mm-hmm. because of reasons. Mainly because I've been so tired the past couple of weeks and JRPGs and strategy games, especially Aww. turn-based ones, are just the worst thing to mm-hmm. play when you're tired. Um, so the, the more action-y stuff has been keeping me more invested uh so yeah I'll, i w- i am enjoying fire emblem a whole bunch i wish i'd played it a lot more i just i've just not been in the right frame of mind for it uh and jenny what are you going to be playing um i'm gonna be doing my last fire emblem brute um, <laughs> so <laughs> unlike andrew i'm uh, sorry unlike andy i've played so much of it um and i've done two routes now so i'm doing my last playthrough with my last house what <laughs> Didn't I read that each route takes 80 hours? No, okay, so that's a misconception. That is literally if you do every single side quest and every single everything that you can possibly cram in. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, you don't need to. Well, okay, so for, for me... They're there. No, not everyone's a completionist hunter. <laughs> okay, so also some, of the, also some of these side quests are also timed for completion, and so I had done some other oh, stuff, God. and I had not actually realized that these quests were timed or like had not watched them and so the time ran out so i didn't get to do some of these more complicated long-winded side quests so but um and lots of people fooled around a lot more in the beginning than i did pre-time skip like i knew who i wanted going in because i my first one was a very min-max type playthrough i knew who i wanted going in i knew what their skills were going to be so i was like i want bang 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 these kids the other kids they can just die <laughs> but um no yeah so if i am on my third playthrough 
Um, New Game Plus makes 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 your second playthrough a lot quicker as well. Um, that's probably why. Um, yeah. So yeah, you don't need the full two forty hours. People are saying you you need like maybe fifty hours for your first playthrough, forty something for the next one, even shorter if you're smart about it. So yeah, it's not that long. Yeah, mo- most people I've seen on Twitter say that they finished it said around like fifty to sixty hours. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So okay. that's where we're at. Um. And so, like, Andrew, I'll probably need a break, though, from Fire Emblem. So if there's anything cool that comes out at the Indie Showcase, I'll pick something small up as well. I just need something to uh, cleanse my palate after I'm done with Fire Emblem and, like, living through the war of child soldiers three times in a row. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes because it really helped to get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services, including Spotify. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with our lively Switch Focus community, and you can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. And we'll leave links for you to all of that stuff in the show notes. If you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee with details on our website and as a pinned post in our Discord server. Um, and you can follow us individually. Um, Andy is at Flame Roast Toast. Andrew's at Play Critically. Streaming also at twitch.tv slash playcritically. And I'm Ginny at Ginny Woes. Alright, thank you for listening. Spoilers, it's bad. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't put that in. <laughs>